The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. Burgess? Here. Chambers? Harrison? Milliken? Here. Phelps? Here. Patalco? Here. Pitts? Here. Swan? And Bias is absent today. Okay, thank you. Just a couple of notes.
Is this better? Yeah. Yes. Oh, the cough button was on. Uh-huh. Someone's got a permanent cough. Okay, thank you. Um, should I just start over? I will start over with my spiel. Thank you. Um, so a uh, couple notes. Uh, due to some of the technical difficulties that we've experienced here at City Hall uh, today, uh, we are able to stream. We have figured that out. Uh, but we are not able to take call-in comments today. So if you're uh, at home watching and hoping to call in today, we apologize. Uh, we will not be able to take the call-in comments uh, this evening. Uh, the second uh, note, we've got two public hearings on the agenda tonight. Um, we will not be changing the agenda, but the first item on the agenda uh, regarding 116 Fellows Avenue will be uh, adjourned um, and carried over to the next meeting. So um, that's not something we'll be hearing a presentation about or receiving any comments on uh, this evening. And that was at the request of the applicant. So I just want to make that announcement up front in case people are watching, hoping to uh, see or get any information on that uh, tonight. Uh, so with that, are there any changes to the agenda? All right, can I get a motion to adopt the agenda as presented? I move to adopt the agenda as presented. All right, motion by Phelps, support? I'll support the motion. Support by Burgess. All in favor of the motion say aye. 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 Opposed? All right, excellent. Uh, we received a copy of the minutes of the March 3rd, 2022 meeting. Were there any comments, changes, questions, edits? None. Can I get a motion to approve the March 3rd minutes? So moved. Motion by Burgess. Support. Support by Patelko. All in favor of the motion say aye. 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 All opposed? All right, great. Any communication or announcements? None. So it moves us into public hearings. Again, we are uh, apologize. We're unable to take call in comments, so we'll be receiving uh, public comments. Uh, from folks in the audience, and I'm not seeing any, so I won't go through that whole spiel, but if I need to, I'll do that later. So we'll go right into our first public comment, um, our first public hearing, PC 2022.02116 Fellows Avenue. Um, as I say, stated earlier, the applicant has requested an adjournment of that to our May um, Planning Commission meeting. So I would request a motion for adjournment from a member of the Planning Commission to the May Planning Commission meeting. So moved. All right. Motion by Harrison. Is there support? Support. Oh, support by Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, all in favor of the motion say aye. 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 Any opposed? Okay, all right. So then we'll move on to PC 2022.03, text amendments to chapter 50 zoning code proposed by city staff. I'm gonna bring up this presentation. It is pretty short um, because it's, it's hard to kind of visually display, you know, just text edits. So um, 
What you have before you this evening uh, are some general uh, code text amendments uh, to Chapter 50, the zoning ordinance. Um, I will review them with you tonight, and if you all are comfortable at the end of that review, we will uh, make a recommendation to the City Commission to um, recommend approval uh, or not of those amendments. So uh, the, these amendments really come from a running list that staff keeps as they apply the code. Um, a lot of communities view the zoning code as something that is very static and kind of a behemoth and it's hard to move and change. As you know, and if you don't know, you will know soon, we change ours as we need to. Uh, you know, if something is incorrect, if something isn't working, if it's proving a barrier, if there's a better way of doing it, you know, we're always open to considering those changes. So what you have, again, before you tonight is from that running list, from staff's use of the code, use with individual property owners, with residents, with developers, you know, anytime we're trying to explain the code to somebody and we kind of, it's a hiccup or the language doesn't seem clear, we try to keep a running list of that. Um, so we uh, can, when we have the opportunity, we can make the changes so it can be read by everybody uh, and understood by everybody. So some of the changes include things for clarification of wording. Um, uh, again, our application of the code, uh, some best practices, and importantly, um, variance requests that are heard by the Zoning Board of Appeals. Um, you know, some variance, some variance requests are very unique and super parcel-based, and you know, it doesn't matter what the code says, this parcel, because of its shape, size, uh, or other factors, a variance would have been needed. Uh, but when we see repeat variances over and over and over again, it tells us uh, that there might be an issue with the code itself. So a lot of the, uh, the tweaks to the language you have in front of you tonight are a result of repeat variances uh, and a request actually from our Zoning Board of Appeals to make those changes um, you know, in a timely manner uh, rather than kind of wait and save them for um, a larger code update uh, like the one coming later this spring or summer. So here are some examples, and I, I did talk about some of these last time. Um, you know, the first set of edits, so first of all, you all got, and you got an updated copy today, this is a PDF of the full code with the changes in red. I broke them down also into um, several smaller documents just so you could kind of look and see uh, from each, uh, kind of each uh, reason bucket um, that the changes were coming from. Um, and so the first, the, there, were, there were two, and so the, the first one is general code updates. Um, and these are those things that I just described. So things like the use definition for bed and breakfast. The Zoning Board of Appeals saw multiple variances uh, on bed and breakfast over the last couple of years. And part of it is just kind of the evolution of how bed and breakfast operates um, and some very technical issues with the code. Uh, for example, you know, we had a variance request that we had to hear where a building was divided into two units, so two separate entrances, the owner of the bed and breakfast lived in one unit. They were using the second units as bed and breakfast. They were all in the same structure, but because of the definition of a bed and breakfast and being in one dwelling unit, we had to you know, take them through um, the variance process. So you know, things like that where our language is adjusted to make sure that the intent, the, the, the language itself and the intent match. Uh, there were several changes to the parking code um, that were included with this. And again, these are over, you know, with variances, our ability to enforce the code. So example, um, 
clarifying how personal RVs can be stored on, per, on your property in your driveway uh, and parked there. Um, you know, if, if we can't, if the language isn't clear, then we can't follow up and make sure that we're being compliant with our ordinances and when we get complaints, if it's not clear, it's harder for us to enforce. There are a couple of new parking, uh, some, some parking numbers changed, uh, including for the, um, for industrial use, uses. Uh, originally we had a parking requirement, a minimum parking requirement of one space for every two employees at their largest shift and we kept running into difficulties uh, and variance requests from industrial users that needed um, a larger number. And so we've changed that to be something that is one space per employee at their largest shift. So it's based on reality of what they need as opposed to, um, uh, you know, a, a kind of a random number drawn out of the air uh, for parking. So those, those, that's the general code update bucket. The one that's slightly, uh, that, the one that is changed in multiple locations is allowing ground floor residential in the commercial, community commercial district. Because the community commercial district lived in Appendix A, I couldn't change it in Appendix A because that document is static as we, you know, every time we, we, we want to make an update, we make it in 50, bring the old language over. So we needed to bring that district into Appendix, into Chapter 50. And so that meant I had to bring in the definition of the district, where, where we define the zoning districts. I had to bring it into the use table. Um, and you know, anytime that there are any standards that were specifically uh, associated for a use in the commercial district, I had to make sure that was noted. Uh, and I needed to bring over, very importantly, the dimensional requirements. How high of a building is allowed? What are the setbacks? Um, you know, driveways and those type of things. And so to make this one change, which has been at the top of our running list for a long time uh, and is one that gets repeated variance requests, uh, it meant that I had to change multiple smaller sections in Chapter 50 to bring community commercial into this document and then make sure that ground floor residential was allowed. And again, that's one of the reasons why I gave it to you on a separate sheet of paper so you could see all of the little places that we had to do um, some small tweaks to make sure that it was housed fully um, in Chapter 50. The other bucket of, of uses has to do with marijuana. Now these are also, you know, the, the reason they're bringing, they're brought forward to you today is the same reasons. This is application of the code over the last couple years, uh, needing some clarification, um, specifically on how we handle uh, medical marijuana retailers uh, or medical marijuana provisioning centers and adult use retailers. And um, they were, had different distances set uh, from those uses to specific protected uses. Yet the state allows those licenses to be stacked, meaning that you can have both, you can sell both medical as well as adult use or recreational marijuana in one spot, uh, but they were regulated differently, which caused some problems in terms of the application of the ordinance. And so this change allows us to regulate them the same. Um, they are essentially the same use. It is, they're both a sale retail use. Uh, some other clarifications on language and prohibiting drive-throughs. And, and that is really, that's the sum of these edits. I know that there are several of them, so I'm happy to kind of go through. I have a copy here. Um, if anyone has specific questions that they want to bring up, 
in your packets you received um, I in the attachments I noted why the changes were being made you know was it a clarification of language uh, was it a best practice was it something the ZBA had recommended or you know heard in cases and so I tried to outline each one of those changes but if anybody has any questions I'm happy to answer those are there any questions for staff? Yes. Um, so regarding the update to the marijuana section, um, specifically the drive-through portion, how are we talking like this applies only to like drive-through windows or are we talking like curbside pickup as it is now known in COVID times? Uh, what constitutes a drive-through in this change? Um, so in this change, um, we're talking about, you know, drive-through facilities, a full drive-through window. Um, during COVID, the state did allow for a short period of time uh, facilities to have drive-through facilities. Uh, that was temporary during COVID. Uh, that is no longer in effect. And so that was something that was, um, we wanted to be clear that was not permitted. Other questions? Um, so with the CC bringing those over, were there other, were there any tweaks to, I admit I did not go back and look at the existing CC district, were there any tweaks or modifications to the CC text that had to be made to adapt to chapter 50? change the district itself of course we made the change that we intended to make which was that um, residential uses are indeed allowed on the ground floor although we have stated because this truly is a commercial district uh, they can be on the ground floor but they should not be uh, along the front facade you know when facing directly facing a street and up close to a street um, but that allows buildings in the back of a lot if the lot has more than one building to have residential on the ground floor and it certainly allows residential on the ground floor again just not up along the street because again it's a commercial district and that's the primary use um, in terms of dimensional standards uh, for the most part things were kept the same I'm gonna flip to the table real quick so I can talk about it um, so same height you know generally the same setback provisions we did add um, Community commercial, again, exists in Appendix A right now. It is tied to a set of design guidelines that also exist in Appendix A, which talk about things like if you're doing a shopping center or you're doing a development over a certain size, you know, you need a certain amount of transparency. Remember, that's that ratio of windows to wall. You need entrances in certain locations um, and other, other details. Because we were bringing that over um, and kind of separating it um, a bit from Appendix A, we put those things right in here. And the other thing to note is that we, we kept the relevant things and put them in here. The other thing to note, this table, uh, table 5.1-2, dimension standards by districts, it's kind of lonely. There's just one district in it right now. As we bring over all the commercial districts, you know, they will populate this table. So we are setting it up knowing that we were eventually going to um, be populating it with the other commercial districts. Uh, and other residential districts, any districts that aren't based on lot types would find their way into this table uh, sooner rather than later. So it's set up that way. So 
you know, we were very clear when a building is, uh, you know, within a certain, if, if a building is up close to the street within 25 feet of the property line, uh, we do have an entrance requirement uh, and some minimum transparency requirements. It's a range, the threshold starts fairly low. Um, uh, we noted driveway, number of driveways like we do for our other districts. Um, yeah, so for the most part, you know, we, we kept it the same. Was the, well, that's good. The main reason for my question, and this is getting very, I guess, picky or particular, is there a maximum lot area for rezoning in the existing district? There is not in the current district. There is a minimum for community commercial. I put maximum lot area in there for rezoning, knowing what's coming uh, down with some new commercial districts that we'll, we'll be working on and presenting over the next couple of months, where you know we have community commercial is kind of the big anything goes district, right? You would expect very large parcels. We currently in our code now have several smaller commercial districts. We call them CN1 or CN2, so commercial neighborhood one and two, commercial office, commercial neighborhood office that um, try to regulate scale uh, by talking about the amount of square footage that the building itself can have and not the lot itself. Um, so I would expect as we are tweaking those districts, and we're gonna talk a little bit about this in the city planner's report tonight, um, that as we have iterative districts, right, really big scale to smaller neighborhood scale, there'll be a maximum, um, as a way to differentiate, there'll be a maximum um, size in order to be rezoned a district to separate them. Well, then I'll reserve my comments till then. You may reserve. <laughs> I look forward to that. Uh, any other comments or questions on these changes? Uh, if not, this is a public hearing, so I will open the public hearing. Is there anyone who would like to come forward and speak to this item uh, at this time? Seeing none, I'm assuming the phone issue remains as it was. So unresolved. 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 So uh, I will close the public hearing. Um, any last clarifying questions? If not, I'll take a motion uh, to open discussion. Remember, we are recommending the proposed changes to the city commission. So I need a motion to recommend these uh, ordinance amendments to the city commission. Uh, I'll move that we recommend these ordinance changes to the city commission. Motion, motion by Phelps. Second. Second by Harrison, thank you. Is there any discussion on these proposed changes? No discussion. Excellent. All right. They seem pretty straightforward. Fairly businesslike. Appreciate the presentation. Um, I think we need a roll call vote. Burgess? Aye. Chambers? Yes. Harrison? Yes. Milliken? Yes. Phelps? 
Yes. Patelco? Yes. Pitts? Yes. Swan? Yes. Excellent. Thank you. Please will go on to the City Commission. Uh, next item in public comments. Do we have any public comments on non-agenda items? Seeing none, we'll move on. Um, discussion action items. City planner report. Has everyone pushed their button on mute? I don't think I did. Yeah. I think up is up is good. So as I was saying, we have a lot of folks who don't use them 
consultants, uh, we have started to look at the commercial, commercially zoned lots in the city. How big are they? What are their uses? Where are they located? Kind of what are their characteristics? So we can start to figure out what are these districts are working for? Uh, how do we kind of collapse? How do we update to make sure that we are happy to have clear, concise districts? We have districts in the code that we use and are prepared to be there. And move forward. So, what does that look like? Um, and again, I said this graphic last time. Uh, but we're now proposing the way it's going to shake out is that uh, we're going to end up from CO and CNO, CN1, CN2, and CC. We're going from those to three districts. A commercial note is response to the master plan, which noted kind of larger, uh, kind of multiple neighborhood shopping centers uh, as commercial nodes. Keeping community commercial, uh, and then we have a, a lighter, smaller scale version of community commercial CCC. Community or commercial mixed use um, is mapping a lot of different places, and ultimately when we get to the map, it's not up today. You know, that it might be those properties might become more than you know, there's not one to one to one district. But we're not talking about the map today because it's not done. So I don't want to go on that road. But I wanted to kind of show you how these things are beginning to line up. So as we were thinking about, you know, the districts, and I alluded to this a few minutes ago, making sure that our districts are distinct from one another. You know, so what is community commercial and what is, you know, not community commercial, I guess is the way to think about it. So I, I pulled up we have zoning map for two corridors. Uh, Stadium Drive is on your You're, you're, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you can kind of see, you see the parcels there. There's a lot of large parcels. Several of them have outlots divided in front. Um, they, the parcel here is not linked to residential blocks. Meaning it doesn't exist at the end of all, you know, it doesn't see into a street that has residential on it. It's very isolated in the, as commercial. Um, typically it's not very walkable, very orderly. So let's take that compared to the West Ned corridor, which is West Ned South of White, which is White right here, White, which is person, and Court. So generally smaller blocks, generally. Um, they tend to exist at the end of residential blocks uh, that came into the main corridor of West Ned. And they tend to be walkable. 
outside of you know having some parking lots in the front, the uses are small. That you would, you know, could easily would e do easily um, apply to those that live uh, within a short distance of each other. The other thing we look at um, were the street types. Now, this is just using the street types and the street design manual. Um, uh, this is a community connector uh, that goes along a stadium drive that's our biggest, highest speed street uh, in the city. Uh, pedestrian spaces are always in bike spaces. Compared to you know, the south end of the Westminster quarter, which is a commercial business um, which is a little less intensive scale. We took all these factors as layer one, right? So, location, general uses, what the properties will buy, you know, resident, how they serve the adjacent residential or not. And then we took some information from a study, um, and we created this map, a map, a general map, which is a study of the properties on the corridor, and study to divide them by. So we looked at, um, this is the West Coast corridor again, and started to look at what was the common size, right? Um, and you'll see that most of the parcels fall uh, under one acre. So if we were to set a maximum, uh, here we asked about this earlier, it is a way to help separate CCC from CC. One option could be to set a maximum um, size for rezoning. And this just kind of helps us figure out some of the other details that the department The area up at the top is in another color, it's just another color because that's where the master plan and the commercial nodes, and so we are separating those out for um, different sets. And similar over this is Portage Street, and Court, Express, and Lovers going this way. So again, you pick the parcels. Was there a, um, a commercial modeling area? Um, and again, this graphic is doing a block size. And again, most of them fell under uh, that one. Okay. This is showing you how the graphic in the top is the people in this plan. And two of the commercial nodes are. In the future land use plan, which is corresponding with the area that's considered the zone of the market. Okay, so what does this start to look like? I appreciate this is small. You know, as an actor, we might be able to provide you all a copy. And so, what we've done is we've started to, if, we were, if these were our districts, what would the standards be? You know, how do we start to break them up to make sure that uh, they're all in categories that um, are different from each other uh, and that are meeting, uh, are, are meeting uh, the intent uh, of each of the districts. Um, and so again, this is the table that we just looked at. Uh, that was normally just this one district. Uh, starting to think about adding more districts um, and things like
Go for it. I wanted to ask a question. Bruce, when you put up your feet this way. Um, I just wanted to know how the different parts of sizes, especially related to the temples and the standing drive and the weapon. Can you make sure that you're not the call? On. There you go. Oh, it was me. I'm sorry. I apologize if that was me. Um, I wanted to know how does the parcel size, the traffic concerns, and then the street common practices kind of play into the rezoning practices or the, the anticipation of the consideration of the rezoning? Sure, absolutely. In the 2025 master plan, we talked about um, that all development has kind of two pieces and that for the most part, the city had really just looked at one of two pieces, which was just what happens on lots um, and didn't necessarily consider uh, the street uh, next to it. And Imagine Kalamazoo in the 2025 master plan really tried to um, put those together as two pieces of the same pie. Um, and so you need to be able to consider both pieces. What happens in the street adjacent to it, because that helps define the area uh, and talks about whether or not it, you know, it impacts the success of a use. Um, you know, you probably wouldn't front a home on a highway, right? There's a, there's a reason, you know, those, those two don't work together. Um, it's kind of an extreme example, but you know, just to make sure that we're considering those together. When we started updating the zoning code, uh, right after the master plan, um, we included um, some street types in our zoning code to start uh, to help us think about working with those two pieces together. And so the code right now already has street types that help guide uses, uh, location of uses, um, and height in some cases. Um, and this is kind of a continuation of that. The goal, you know, we're changing, we're changing, we're updating the zoning code for a few reasons. One, it, it's from 2005, right? It needs to be updated. It doesn't necessarily reflect development patterns of today. Um, and we also want to make sure that we are setting standards that support whatever is happening on the adjacent lots. So if it's business and economic development areas, you know, we wanna make sure that we're um, you know, having the right set of uses that are flexible, uh, that we're creating minimum and maximum lot sizes that you know, aren't gonna artif be artificially barriers that development is gonna bump into. Um, we wanna make sure that that right scale occurs on the right scale street. Right, so if it's a small walkable business, you know, that's gonna thrive on a corridor that has sidewalks, that has slower speeds. And so that's how those two things start to um, align and work together. And so as we have updated the zoning code and as we continue to update the zoning code, we keep those two things in mind and not just look at adjacent buildings when saying the character of the area is X. Other questions? Oh, I'm having these totally backwards. Other questions? Um, uh, so since I brought up the lot area thing, I'm 
I'm going to need to think about it or and or need more convincing on the value of the minimum lot area, maximum lot area, just because I guess personally I don't want to add standards where they're not needed because, and I, I just need to think about it. They, they could be very worthwhile, but I'm not certain at the moment. I need to just spend a little more time on it. But the, I worry that it's just going to lead to more variance requests. Um, and not with, and I need to know or understand more the what it's going to contribute. Um, most larger parcels are larger for a reason, and they're coming for a rezoning because they're coming for redevelopment. They're larger because some pre-existing use resulted in this larger. It was a shopping center that's outdated, or it was some civic use like a school or a church or a ginormous parking lot or something like that and um, or there's some natural feature that limits the use of 80% of it and thus it's artificially large when you really can only use less than an acre of it and so now that's what the variance process is for but why have a standard in there that forces the variance process when it's not contributing value so that's what we don't need to answer that, but that's where I'm coming from. That's why I brought that up. Call from Liverk One, Liverk to a node. We have no minimum lot widths. We don't have minimum lot sizes for that reason. Well, let me. But um, and this is obviously something we need to talk about. Your concerns are completely valid, right? We don't want to create put things in that are going to cause problems. That's kind of what zoning has done in the past, and we're really trying to look at it in more detail. Community commercial, again, is that anything goes district, right? It's big, it's auto-oriented, um, it's, you know, it is what it is. Those areas that exist as CC2, for the lack of a better name, um, that are at the end of residential blocks, that are on slower corridors, that receive um, patrons both on foot, transit, car. You know, if we want those to slowly evolve, um, you know, a maximum lot size may help that happen. So if you have one giant parcel on a block of a lot of smaller parcels that kind of do fit the standard and it's coming for redevelopment, you know, the encouraging factor would be maybe we need to be creating smaller lots as part of this project, whether you want to call them out lots or individual lots. That is not to say that your concerns aren't, aren't worthy of further discussion. Well, and just to clarify, I'm totally on board with some sort of lot size requirement in that district, but whether that's tied to the rezoning or whether that's tied to a lot split land division whatever type of process results in that lot being created, I think it's the mechanism that's, that's the issue. If someone redevelops, um, I don't even want to throw anything out there and, and make someone upset, um, then, uh, but you take a 10 acres and you rezone it into CC2 and then they come up with a plan that into a bunch of smaller things that's totally consistent with what the vision is, but they couldn't do that if they couldn't first rezone it. So that's what my thought process is. So one of the reasons why is, I'm sorry, 
I need to wait for you to press yes, the button. Sorry. Oh, I sorry. need to remember to do that. Um, so one of the reasons why it's taking so long for me to do a preliminary review of the zoning map is because I am going lot by lot, yeah, yeah. right, and really trying to look at all the parcels. Well, I can't say that there won't be a bigger parcel that gets lumped into CC2 because it meets the other factors. Mm -hmm. um, because we are not painting with the broad brush that we've painted in the past, the thought is that there would be fewer of those yeah. for what it's worth. And that's what I said. We don't have to answer the question today, but I just wanted you to kind of know where I was thinking. Um, we'll have to figure this out later. Um, other comments? All right, carry on. I was going to try and get my screen back. Okay, that's definitely Let's possible. See. Well, that's okay. Um, it was just... It is just the timeline. Um, it doesn't seem to be working, and that's fine. Um, so over the net, between now and the next meeting, uh, we hope to release more, to finish and release more drafts on things like landscaping and fencing and get those out for public review. Uh, the goal is to set up meetings, public meetings in May, uh, kind of going around, uh, likely to multiple locations throughout the city, so we're hitting a wide audience, uh, making sure that we are outreaching to um, our large commercial operators in town, um, as many of our neighborhood business associations as we can hit in town uh, to kind of spread the word. Um, and then I will provide you with an update at the next meeting uh, for where things stand and anything that's ready to kind of have a discussion on, like these were kind of loose, but I wanted to at least introduce them to you today. Um, you know, I'll take this time to make that presentation again on maybe landscaping and fencing, right? Just so you are hearing it more than once. Public meetings, they're streamed, try to reach more people. Um, so that is the plan for this process. Excellent. Any other thoughts or questions or comments? Great. I do have one other item. Yes. Um, this week, the um, Community Sustainability Plan was released, uh, the public draft of it. It's available on imaginekalamazoo.com slash projects. Um, when it's done, it will be moved over to plans, but right now it's projects. Um, and you can get a copy of it there. There are going to be several uh, outreach activities that are happening over the next two or three weeks, both virtual and in person. So I would encourage you to check them out, read the draft, provide comment, um, attend an event if you can. Um, and then this will be going forward after that period and edits are made uh, to the City Commission for approval. Great, thank you. All right, is that, that did wrap up your report? Okay. Um, City Commission liaison comment. I think you should be good. Nope. No, there All we right, go. There we go. Sorry. Good evening, everyone. Um, good to see everyone. Thanks for coming. Um, so, uh, just to uh, add to what uh, City Planner Anderson shared. So, you know, our sustainability plan. This has been long awaited, right? This is very exciting. It's a big deal. It's a 10-year guide. It has 
four key themes, 10 community goals, 29 strategies, and 81 actions. So it is a jam-packed document and definitely worth uh, your bedside reading if you have a chance to. And then uh, uh, City Planner Anderson also shared there's some upcoming events, but the first one is next Monday. There's actually an open house in the community room from uh, on Monday, April 11th from 5.30 to 7.30. So that's one in-person event. And then there's a virtual uh, town hall on Wednesday, April 27th from 5 to 6.30. So I would encourage you or the public to attend if you're able. Um, want to get a little bit uh, local government nerdy here for a second, but um, something I'm particularly proud that we accomplished here recently that's probably not going to make uh, front page news, um, but our bond ratings. Um, best way to think about it is when our ratings go up, our interest rates go down, which is a win-win for us as taxpayers, right? Means we either get to do more or we save money. And so uh, the city has what's called a general obligation debt rating through uh, uh, S&P Global. We recently underwent three separate bond rating calls with S&P Global. So we have that city's general obligation debt rating which they gave us a double A minus and said it is with a stable outlook. That's what we want, right? We want at least a stable outlook. And so that's really positive. They said, we have strong management, good financial policies and practices, a 20% fund balance, which is also a big deal because our target is 13%. So it gives you an idea of what that looks like. Cash liquidity and an increasing balance of our FFE. So one added benefit of our um, foundation for excellence is that it's improving our bond ratings. Um, so they also said there's a possibility of future rate increases when the FFE is near or fully endowed. So that's, that's good news, right? But here's the really exciting one. This is the really nerdy one, all right? So our city utility funds, which is our water and our wastewater, each received a double A minus with an improved outlook, improved outlook from negative to stable. So that's exciting news for us. And they said the biggest factor for that was the commission's willingness to increase rates to support capital improvements to replace aging infrastructure, right? So there's an example of a very difficult, tough decision to make where we know that it's gonna increase rates on, on users, but the increased uh, uh, rating could, you know, make our um, uh, investments, or, you know, our, could make things more affordable for us to do for interest rates. Um, these ratings are uh, significant positive indicators of the city's management and financial factors across the board. So that's good news for the city of Kalamazoo, and I thought I wanted to share that with you as well. Another um, uh, highlight that we recently learned about is that uh, the city of Kalamazoo will be receiving $564,534 from the state of Michigan's 2021 sales tax revenue sharing from uh, marijuana. Uh, the, why that's a big deal? Again, it's over $500,000. Our original estimate was only $200,000 of revenue. So not shabby. <laughs> um, so clearly uh, the folks in the city of Kalamazoo are enjoying our fine uh, uh, dispensary uh, establishments. And then uh, we're uh, required to set aside 25% um, as part of our social equity policy as well. So that's um, held office there as well. So there's a few updates for you about what's happening and news that's happening in our world. And uh, hope you all have a wonderful next month. So thank you guys. Thank you. Uh, planning commissioner comments. Anyone have any planning commissioner comments? Mr. Pitt. Oh, here. 
Well, I will just remind everyone that we do have an election on May 3rd. So by the time we come back, hopefully we have good news because Kalamazoo Public Schools does have a millage that needs to be renewed. And also our law enforcement for the county as a whole also has a renewal that will also need to be supported by all of us here in the city of Kalamazoo and the county. And that's going to be May 3rd, so make sure that you guys all vote. Or send in your AV ballots. The city clerk's office has already started to mail those out, so make sure that you send them back in. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Mine is not so informative. I just wanted to say it's good to see everybody again to be in the same circle. It's good to see the faces that I've seen on on, on the screen, but not in person. So I'm glad to see everybody. Thank you for that. It is nice. Other thoughts or comments? Closing? Yes. Can I make a quick one for the my nerddom in, uh, in, in Kalamazoo? Well, I'm an avid book reader, so wanted to extend the invite for the commission to join me in a book reading kind of session. I've been reading this book called The 13 Ways to Kind of Kill Your Community by um, Doug Griffith, which kind of talks about different things that leaders can do that can get in the way of community growth. It's been a great read so far, but I don't do the best at holding myself accountable. So I wanted to see if the commission would join me or just anyone was interested to kind of supporting that endeavor and we could read it collectively to see what kind of conversations happen. So I wanted to put that out there. It's nice. Thank you. Can you uh, give that title one more time? Okay. 13 Ways to Kill Your Community. It's by Doug Griffith. All right. Yeah. Griffith. Thank you. Other uh, commissioner comments? It is nice to see everyone. Thank you. Uh, one more time, I apologize for the technical difficulties we're having this evening. Uh, could not get the phones working. Uh, we did want to proceed with the meeting due to the public notices that were sent. So again, I apologize for the phone issues. And um, I was going to say vote, but we covered that already. So thank you. And with that, we're adjourned. Thanks. So I, I've been checking it out. I got this book on Amazon. I got this on Deezer and uh, uh, Apple.